How is everyone? Fabulous. Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, right, we're good. Did you see what uh, Davina McCall has posted on Instagram? If someone tagged me or someone has sent me it, but I haven't watched it yet. Is it something about cutting out sugar? She's cutting out sugar and fruit for the month of November. And I was like, babe, don't you met to sex? That's going to be so much more effective. Oh, uh, why? Like, I kind of get the, like, cutting down on sugar, but cutting out fruit. Like, mm. She basically posted saying that, like, last night she ate five bars of chocolate chocolate and she's like right okay I need to just not eat any of chocolate or sugar or fruit for the next month and I'm like Domini you've just like you've just openly said that you need help like you actually need help with that like that's a problem um and cutting out sugar is not going to be going forward if you're struggling with moderation just completely cut it out that just completely (laughs) avoid the problem that'll be really useful yeah oh yeah Anyway, on with our excellent client questions. Does anyone have them up? I'm about to get them up. I've got them up. He's on it. On it. On it. Okay, okay. First up from Chrissy. It's my birthday this week and I'm being treated to a couple of meals out. Aside from reducing my calories on other days to compensate, do you have any other tips? I think that one of the main things with this is like how frequently is this happening? I mean, we know you have a birthday once a year. Is this like quite unusual for you to eat out this many times in a week? And can you just be like, yeah, probably not going to be a deficit this week, but I am going to make some memories. I'm going to enjoy some amazing food and then move on with it. If this is, it's a slightly different situation if someone's like, yeah, every week I have three or four nice meals out. Okay, then you probably have to start looking at what's the quote unquote best choice for me given my goals at the time on this menu. But if you're like, yeah, it's a week and I'm gonna eat a little bit more and I'm not gonna worry about it. That's a pretty good mindset to have and make sure it doesn't lead over into everything else. So you're not like, it's a whole week of eating absolute crap. It's like, no, it's three or four meals out. I'm gonna enjoy them. There's probably gonna be some more calories in them, but I'm not gonna let that ruin my enjoyment of the fact that it's my birthday and I want to enjoy this with the people that I care about eating nice tasty food. Yeah, agreed. I think um, something that obviously this is not me trying to be a Debbie Downer, but um, the issue with um, reducing calories to compensate. So we, we have the flexibility to be able to reduce calories to compensate for potentially a slightly heavier weekend if you're going out for meals or stuff like that. But there are some issues to that. Um, there are some issues that do come with um, cutting back on calories during the week. Number one, you're cutting back on calories where you're potentially already in a deficit, you're hungry. You're also then trying to take off more calories to then fix them up for the rest of the week. Um, obviously the issues with that are potential for overeating because you're hungry um, also doing that every week it kind of it's, it creates quite a, a, a for me I feel that it creates quite a bad outlook on food when you're cutting back to try to stack stuff up for the weekend um, I find that it can be quite a, not dangerous and as in it's going to kill you but it's quite dangerous for um to start stacking those calories away every single week. Exactly as Emma said about, it's your birthday week, it's a birthday week. You're having a couple of meals out, happy days, deal with it. Realize that you're probably not going to make a huge um, chip away at body fat this week, but next week your goals are back to being aligned to where you need to be. Um, But yeah, just be aware of the whole, I know we do talk about the flexibility of dieting, but the stacking up of calories and saving calories can have a sort of ne- negative effect as you move forward. Yeah, I think just before we move on from that, like it's one thing to remember is we use a week because that's generally how people structure their lives and it's a nice period of time. So we're like, it's your calorie balance over the week, but realistically it's your calorie balance over time. So if you eat a little bit more this week and a little bit less next week, that will balance out and over the two weeks or over the month. And we know we have clients who maybe struggle a lot, maybe the week of or the week before their period. And sometimes we'll say, bring your calories up to maintenance or maybe even bring your calories past maintenance. And if you're in the same deficit at the end of the month, then you will lose the same amount of fat at the end of the month. 
So try not to like worry too much about hitting your deficit every single week. It's just an easy way to manage calories, but we know that some weeks will be harder or easier to do that. And I think allowing yourself that instead of trying to beat yourself up about it, being like, okay, yeah, realistically this week, I'm traveling a lot. I'm going out for a lot of meals. It is my birthday as well. And being in a deficit isn't highest on my priority list. It isn't highest on my values this week. It's enjoyment and it's spending time with family and friends and it's eating really good food. Great. But I still have a long-term fat loss goal. Fine. It doesn't mean you have to have that fat loss every single week. And actually, sorry, someone has just commented saying, what I'm slowly and finally starting to realize is that the ESG program of Commit 6 is not about a six-week plan that we have probably all done before and had great results when it finished and everything goes right back to where it is. The Commit to 6 team are using the six-week to enable us to get the right tools to create lasting habits. And that's what it's all about. Like, it's not how much can you possibly do in this six weeks? Like, we're not overly impressed. Like, we don't have winners who lose the most in six weeks or anything like that that isn't what it's about it's about long-term change and most people stay on for much longer than six weeks all right we can move on now sure um okay okay from rachel any tips for living in the moment i spend my whole time my whole life counting down either to the weekend to the next school holiday i'm a teacher Next weekend away, holiday, etc. I'm back to work tomorrow. My first, my first thought was 35 school days to go to the Christmas holidays. Do I just need a career change? Um, you know, I remember when I worked in Pure Gym and I would take like three classes back to back and I'd be like, oh, this is such a drag. And coach that I worked with wore this t-shirt that said the best hour of their day. And it basically is like, see when people come to you, like see any interaction that you have with people. I know that you're a teacher and it's kind of different, like we're coaches, but that is the best hour of their day. And that totally flipped it for me. Um, and I know you are, I think she's a math teacher. So you're working with teenagers. So that is the toughest crowd. But think about the impact that you're having on their lives at that really formative stage of their lives. And like that relationship that they'll have with maths like you can completely influence that. Like my mum was a math teacher and people always say, oh, I hated math. Or if they loved it, they're like, my teacher was really good. So I suppose like thinking about the impact that you have on people's lives. I mean, that can be like such a, a wider thing rather than just specifically to this question. Like the impact that you have on people's day when you interact with them. I think that's something that you, um, you always say, Emma, like you should always leave people better than when you found them yeah and how do you want to show up I think is so so important and it impacts people so much same this is what we think about with check-ins all the time as well like sometimes Andy will be doing 50 check-ins but it's like remembering that that's someone's one check-in like you have to show up at your best um and I think that's always like a nice reminder I think living in the moment is a bit of a skill and I think we're all not very good at it because you, you know you've got like even little things like having your phone out being distracted and I've, I've definitely been in situations where I've looked back and I've been like I felt like I needed to reply to that text message in the middle of dinner because I can see it coming in and it's like just turn off your notifications like or I've done a podcast where I've left my phone out and I've been slightly distracted and I'm like it would not have mattered if I'd got back to them an hour later but I wasn't as good and I wasn't as present and I wasn't like, I didn't show up at my best because I was distracted. So like, that's a really simple thing, like put your phone away. Um, I sometimes think living in the moment as well, and like this comes back to journaling, which we talk about all the time, but you're often worrying about things that haven't happened yet or worrying about things that have already happened. And what journaling really helps with is kind of like helps you deal with things that have already happened and kind of put that to bed. And then also about things that you're worried about, like is there, asking yourself questions like, is there anything I can do about that now? Am I letting it ruin my enjoyment of the moment right now? And is that the way I want to show up? And is that the mood I want to have? And that kind of thing I think is really, really useful, but it is a bit of a skill. Like it's not just one thing and be like, oh, this is how I show up. But I think that you've noticed that you want to live in the moment and that you struggle to live in the moment is a really good first step because a lot of people are quite, like they don't notice that they're not living in the moment that they're always worried about other things and it was something that 
I've spoken about the podcast before, but I've definitely noticed after doing therapy was that, I mean, it wasn't for the specifically living in the moment, that that was something that came of it and, and it just started laughing all the time. And I think laughing is something that you have to be in the moment for, like you're not going to laugh if you're worried about what's about to happen or you're stressed about something that's already happened or you've got a million things in your mind. Like you have to be present in that moment to like truly find something funny and be like concentrating on whatever that is. So hopefully you start laughing more. There's an extra bonus. Catherine, do you have any tips for living in the moment? I think just for me is maybe like making sure that you're taking time out and resting as well. Because if you're really busy all the time and your mind's on overdrive, is you need that time just to like shut down and switch off from everything. Whether that's like going out for a walk, watching TV, like reading, journaling. But yeah, that would be, I think, my main tip. But I think you guys have covered that amazingly. I think, no, I think that's a really good point, downtime. And I think downtime can seem like a waste of time or seem like, yeah, but I'm not getting this stuff done. And actually it makes you turn up so much better for everything else. Even in terms of productivity, like I think a lot of people are like, well, I just need to get this stuff done, so I just hammer it out. And it's like, actually, if you've done an hour of putting your phone away and just concentrating on that one thing and then had a whole hour break and then came back to it, you would get way more done than if you just tried to work a three hour block where your concentration is just going down and down and down and you're doing 50 other things and you're replying to emails at the same time. You know, the, the day that we all hung out and had our photo shoot, like that felt like I was so in the moment all day because like I really had my phone on me and I laughed all day. So exactly, exactly what we've all just covered. It felt like it lasted like five minutes. It did. We were together all day. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You're welcome. Our banter is full. <laughs> it's all down to you, Andy. <laughs> Not at all. I was quite quiet for my usual self. What? <laughs> <laughs> Rubbish. Cool. Right, next one up from Steph. Uh, when I train hard on a particular day, I have no problems going to sleep at bedtime. But I often wake up at about four-ish in the morning and feel a bit restless and wide awake, even though five-ish hours is still not enough sleep. Any clues as to what is going on? Sorry, just to, um, did she say only on days that she's trained that she feels like this? When I train hard on a particular day, I have no problems going to sleep at bedtime, but I often wake up in the four in the morning and feel a bit restless and wide awake, even though five-ish hours are still not asleep, enough sleep. Um, Some things are like, I know, a lot of people kind of get a bit twitchy and stuff after training. Like my fiance Laura, she's really bad for that. She trains, if she trains legs, like she's got like proper restless leg syndrome, probably about four or five hours later. Um, like to the point where she she gets she gets banished to the other sofa. I'm like, shift, time for you to move over because you're doing my nothing. So yeah. But um, yeah. I think I would probably keep, and I mean, this is why we ask these questions on the accountability post as well as to kind of keep you like oh maybe I have noticed that on the days I train legs I don't sleep as well and then that there is something potentially we can look at or maybe some kind of intervention we can try to see if that's going to improve but until you've noticed like what those patterns are it's quite hard because you're kind of trying to figure out why is it that you're waking up at four in the morning is it because you've got a lot on your mind which would be a very different intervention than because you've trained legs that day for example um or because the room is too hot or because you're sleeping with your phone next to you or etc etc like this could be so many reasons or you've eaten too close to bedtime or you've not eaten close enough to bedtime you're waking up a bit hungry at four in the morning so keep like keep an eye on it and keep your like symptoms um and how you feel and yeah that that would be the first step and then we can decide how best to tackle that nailed it um okay dokie not a question more of an observation um i got my plan last night thanks to the lovely shona putting it together on a sunday when i saw my calories i immediately thought that they are too high i saw my workouts and thought immediately this is not hard enough it just shows how i've been conditioned to restricting then overeating and overtraining under recovery and that is why i've not been consistent and things have not and things have gone backwards 
I will 100% stick to this plan as I fully trust you guys, but, I, but it certainly made me think about how I frame things. By the way, first workout this morning was not too easy. I loved it. How underrated are short rest breaks really make a difference? Oh, this makes me so happy. Because you know when like someone tells you about their life and how they do things, and then you're like, right, we're going to make this completely different. And then the sort of like fear you get that they're going to be like, oh no, this doesn't work for me. But I'm really, really grateful and pleased that Shannon's got like a total growth mindset when it comes to this. Because I think what was happening, she, our calories were way too low. She was doing the classic, like trying to stick to her calories and then getting really hungry and then going way over. So probably evening out into a maintenance. And with her training, she was getting up super early and train, training for like an hour and a half, almost two hours. And I was like, right, you don't need to do that. Um, and as, as she's discovered, like the short rest periods, you can still have a really intense workout um, in 45 minutes an hour. And, and and have it be more effective than your 90 minutes, hour, the two hour long workouts. I, th I think we get this quite regularly with the um, people thinking that more is always better and the sort of law of diminishing returns and the fact that actually some of the most important things that you have at your disposal, disposal for helping sort of change your physique is recovery time. And recovery time, whether that be, because the number of people that we see who are training seven days a week, sometimes double sessions, and they're wondering why they're not getting results. And the reason is because you're not giving your body enough time to adapt and progress from there. If you keep, it's the same thing, if you don't go and fill your cart with petrol, it's going to run out at some point because you just keep driving it into the ground. So you've got to keep refueling, you've got to keep giving it time to rest and relax and allow your body to catch up. And exactly, exactly as she's done, she's, she's embraced the, the process. You know, between the four of us, the number of years experience that we have is huge. So, you know, we, this is what we do. And we're not doing it to sort of, we're not doing it to be smart. We're doing it because we've got an act, we've actually got a thought and process about how we think that, how this should work for you. Yeah, I think that's what's nice about having a coach. It's like, there's no ulterior motive. And, and I get that people get really worried about like, oh, I, I was doing seven sessions, right? Surely if I do four, I'm going to get less results. We completely understand that. Like we've all been there. I think we've probably all overtrained in the past. And there is that weird mindset of like, shit, well, surely if I reduce what I'm doing, I'm going to get worse results. So we understand that it takes a hell of a lot of reassurance, but it's so nice that she's, you know, it's fine to need some reassurance. That's totally normal. But she's like, not saying I'm just not going to do this. I'm just going to stay where I am. She's like, it scares me a little bit, but I'm open-minded. I'm going to trust Shona. I'm going to trust the process. I know that she'll be there to support me. And also sometimes I'm like, what, literally what's the worst that could happen? The worst, the worst possible thing that could happen is you reduce your training volume and then you don't, you start to get worse results for some reason. Then you can just think it again. Like sometimes the same, same is true with people like increasing their calories. I'm really worried about increasing my calories, right? What you're doing right now is not working. We know that for sure. So let's try increasing them. Worst case scenario, we'll reduce them again and you can go back to your over-restriction and over-indulgent cycle. Like that sometimes just working through that and like writing it out, especially with things like, again, journaling, if you're unsure of this stuff, like write out, okay, what am I scared of? I'm scared that I'm going to put on weight. Like, well, first of all, like why are you scared that you're going to put on weight? Secondly, you know, like this is a rational process. Like it still comes down to energy balance. If you are massively over-restricting, you will be massively overindulging. And I think that something that people struggle to get their head around and something that's frustrating for us as coaches is we see people put in so much effort. Like it is so much effort to stick to, I don't know, a thousand calories a day during the week. It's not that you need more effort. It's just that that effort's been misplaced. And then people trip themselves up because they're like, hmm, this is weird. 1800 calories a day is a bit too easy. It doesn't feel like I'm dieting. It can't possibly be right because all the diets I've done in the past have made me feel like shit. And actually that, it, like, that is what's going to work long-term. But we know that that takes a bit of reassurance. Um, so yeah, very well done. And I think the fact that like, you know, you've, you're putting less energy and less time and effort into those things like training, you're, you're doing less training, you can put that into other areas of your life and like other things that are important to you, which I think is awesome. Get a dog. Get a dog, yeah. 
have a it was definitely, You're definitely coming back from school with a dog. I've seen a number of dog posts that you've put up. All of the dogs here wear little hats and it's the cutest thing. Why do you give your hat? Well, not all they of them. There's little dogs walking around with sombreros on or like little... So <laughs> <laughs> they don't get the sun in their eyes. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, not, it's definitely not people like, kind of manipulating their dogs into being cute so that you like buy shit from them. It's definitely not that. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't I say that Emma was going to be spending thousands of pounds adopting a dog and flying it back to Dundee? <laughs> well, we've still got like a good month for that to happen. So that's that's she not told you that that's the next business is becoming a dog sanctuary from dogs from Mexico. So she gets to travel out to Mexico every month to go and collect them. Yeah, it's just like um the Romanian one, but Mexico. <laughs> Righty ho, next question. Uh, I eat a lot of fruit, veg and protein and I also do a lot of exercise. My biggest hurdle is to stop snacking on tasty things. I do enjoy my meals, but also cake. I know this is where my biggest reduction can come from, but mentally I feel depressed at restricting. I need to rewire my brain. What tips and advice do you have for avoiding snacks but staying upbeat about it? I find that I can resist for so long and then it's just torture. I tell myself if you want it that bad, just eat it, but it's never just a small bit that I'm satisfied with. It sounds like you're maybe over-restricting if you're getting to that point. And also reminding yourself like you have unconditional permission to eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and then just asking yourself, does this align with my goals at the moment? And then do you know what, even if you do overeat, it's a conscious decision you're choosing it and it's not happening to you and that gives you control over things and that's that same as that like growth versus like victim mindset or mentality like I can't stop snacking no I'm choosing to I'm choosing to and I know that it doesn't align with my goals but I'm owning that choice there's a big difference there um but it sounds like yeah maybe you are over restricting a little bit maybe look at the choices of snacks that you're having are you still telling yourself that like you can't eat chocolate but you love chocolate those kind of things hmm. yeah it sounds like you're doing a bit of a divina as well that's the whole thing obviously we talk about over restricting the calories but things like over restricting and like saying oh i can't have chocolate well if i tell you you can't have chocolate what's the first thing you want you want chocolate it's i don't even like chocolate that much and i'm like yeah, no, I want it. Ah, exactly. If I told you, Emma, you say you prefer you prefer stir fries. But if I tell you you're not allowed something, the first thing you're going to do is, well, fuck you. I'm going to go and do what I want, and it's going to be exactly what you said I can't do. Oh, so, Andy, I've not, yeah, I've not had a stir fry for a good two weeks now. <clears throat> okay. I mean, I did have pad thai the other night. It's very similar. Is she okay? She's in Mexico. Of course, she's all right. <laughs> Oh my god, mark yourself as safe on Facebook, hon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll DM you, don't worry. I'll, it's okay, I'll get you a stir fry. It's been really tough for me. We did one of those. We, we, that made me laugh so much. That, that um, the bit about in the WhatsApp group when we were doing that. What? Mark this morning, mark, we're, we're, mark yourself as safe, honestly. Um, yeah, we saw a load of people on the beach doing like, uh, I don't know, some Instagram videos and stuff. And we were doing a few and I was like, I don't know, like, you know, most of them would be in the background like, guys, if I can achieve this, like, anyone can. I'm like, I can achieve this from like, middle class privilege, supportive parents, like, anybody can, like, just believe in yourself. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. But you hope that a killer whale just comes over and just takes them all out on the beach. You only get basking sharks. They don't attack people. Whale sharks as well. That's where that's where we swam with whale sharks. They're they're huge. In fact, good time of year for them as well. I think. Um, Okie dokie. You know that because they have they have seasons. In fact, you might have just missed it. I think it's the end of October that they, they all leave. They move house for the they move house for the winter. I think that's a, it is actually because my dad used to work here every year and he'd always miss my birthday because it was like whale season here. And then he'd come back. Yeah. And I get to have two. Hey, 
he missed Emma season at home. He did. Oh. Very sad, but he always bought me like something cool back, so it's fine. A t-shirt with a whale on normally. <laughs> a real life whale. That would be great. Yeah. Not sure you could bring that on the plane, but no. Worth it. Olivia. Hi coaches. I've just started commit to six for the first time. Welcome, Olivia. Oh, it's oh, the wee guy. On the podcast. And Cormac. Cormac. Hello. Hello. Yeah, man. Yeah. Crazy, man. He's like, I didn't realise he'd be on camera and pulls this. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this as he yeah. drops on an absolute wet one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, I've just started committing to six for the first time and wondering how often I should weigh. I know we weigh and measure for check-ins, but is it worth doing more frequently to see how the scales fluctuate and learn how we shouldn't be using them as a marker for the way we look? Just a thought. You have answered that question perfectly yourself. Daily, look at the fluctuations. The, the sooner that you can start to untie weight to mood, your emotion and how you feel you look, the easier life will become. The only reason that we're tied with weight to our, us as a person is because of magazines and media. That's the only reason it's tied together because we've been told that for years and years, that your weight is what matters. It's not at all. Weight fluctuates daily, you know, especially being female with sort of times of time of the month, etc. Hormones will make you fluctuate really sometimes quite wildly and you can freak yourself out if you don't weigh in and see the difference in fluctuations so yeah. I definitely. think some people are like I'm not going to weigh every day because I don't have a good relationship with scales and weirdly sometimes if you can get your head around it that actually increases your relationship with the scales because you're like right I know how much calories are in one pound of fat I know that I ate 1600 calories yesterday oh and I'm a pound heavier today there is no way in this world that you could have put on a pound of fat. And it kind of makes you realize, oh, okay, it's water. It's water retention for various reasons. It's the fact I've not been to the toilet yet. Like it, it could literally be, I mean, it's usually water retention for a number of reasons, but food volume, digestive tracts, whatever's in there, um, hormonal changes, et cetera, et cetera. But it certainly doesn't mean you're not losing body fat. And that's why we really get you to focus on the process goals, which is essentially what we check in on every single day on the accountability post, as opposed to what you weigh every single day. That isn't that isn't what we really care about. But looking at that, understanding that it fluctuates and being like, huh, I ate the same yesterday and I would I, I weighed less yesterday or I weighed more yesterday. And actually it doesn't make any difference. And on average, I'm trending downwards. And what we like you to do is take the lowest weight from the week and that be your weight that week. That way you're kind of accounting for fluctuations. Awesome. Um, okay, from Bex. Hello, beautiful coaches. My first question as a committed member. Um, I just want to say quickly say thank you for genuinely changing my life. This sounds dramatic, I know, but my whole relationship with food is changing. I won't say has changed because it's a long-term journey. And my whole mindset around life is changing and the run-up to such a huge moment in my life. Have I mentioned I'm getting married? Uh, I can't begin to explain what a huge impact you've had. You've helped me reach massive family decisions and helped me stay mostly calm during a ridiculous bridesmaid drama. I realise these appear to be first world problems, but I think above all else, I've quite simply felt supported and genuinely cared for as an individual, even though I know you have so many of us to look after. I'm so flipping excited to keep going as a committed crew member and maybe one day even finally nail my morning routine. Thanks, guys. Aww. Can you please tell us about the bridesmaid drama? Yeah, we need to know the drama. <laughs> we need to know about that. It is actually... vital. I actually please write it in. <laughs> no, I think she did, and now I can't remember the exact details. But yeah, it sounded like a, a total drama, and she's one bridesmaid down. Oh, yeah, she had punted. punted. I also did have a question, actually. 
<laughs> I'm starting a new job in four weeks or so, and we'll have massive change of lifestyle. I'll be traveling to London for work and staying over at least two to three nights a week. I'm in a good routine with food, walks and gym right now, as I'm working from home. I know I'll obviously figure out a new routine as I'm settling in, but do you have any advice on how to approach it and stay on track for the weeks going into it? I do have a week off between jobs, which I think will give me some time to prep. Any words of wisdom would be appreciated. I think... Stay flexible. Like... Sorry, I was going to say, I think going in with... What did you think? Have we all paused? No, 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 you're fine. Keep going. Yeah, I was going to say going in with a plan at the start, like nailing it from the start is actually easier to create a new routine when a whole load of shit is changing because your whole structure is going to change and you need to just figure things out. Um, like when, I mean, I know it looks like we're on holiday here, but we actually came to do like a shitload of work. And from day one, we've had a routine and we've stuck to it from day one and we're so productive out here. And it's kind of easier to get into a good routine when you're like, this is what I need to get done. This is my plan. And from like from the get-go, I'm going to do it. What I wouldn't do is be like, oh, for the first week, I'll just sort of settle in at work and just like, mm, then next week, I'll try and figure out how to fit in exercise. And the week after that, I'll find a walking route at lunchtime, whatever. Try and go with intent from day one and, and figure out how you're going to fit that in. And yeah, I think you'll find it easier than what you expect. I think it's a great, like, it's a great um, change in order to make change, if that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. What do people call that? Uh, Anyway. I know what you mean. Like oh. a mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a break in like normal habits. Or does it work yeah. for a current problems? Really, what's that word? When there's like a break in normal habits, it's like a change. It's a paradigm shift. Pattern pattern interrupt. Oh. Inter yeah. Pattern interrupt. That's it. Yeah. I think it's yeah, you're right. Especially the fact that you've got time to plan it just now. And obviously the week that you have off between finishing a job and starting a new one, you've got more than enough time to be able to get a plan in place. Um, this is something that does kind of upset people having a routine interrupted without any notice though. So, you know, these are sort of things that you do have to stay flexible with. So if from one day to the next, your routine is now interrupted because something happens, you just need to do your best to get around it. And because Bex, you've done, you've obviously been through Commit to Six and you're now in Committed, you've got these structures in place and these habits are now there. It's maybe a case that you may need to change them slightly, but don't be afraid to, to don't be afraid to lean into that and just go, do you know what? Things are changing. Happy days. I can work with it. And I think that's when people get, if you get too rigid, that's when it freaks you out and you lose, lose your shit because you don't want to be flexible. And sometimes you do. Yeah. Sometimes you have to be a bit flaccid. Eh? <laughs> no, no, but I think you're right. Like, and it can turn into this like perfectionist mindset of like, well, if I can't do it perfectly with my routine, then I'm just not going to do it at all. And actually being yeah. flexible and adapting to circumstances is what's going to get you long-term results. Awesome. Uh, okay, okay. Hi, I need to commit to six and just getting my head around it all and have some questions. Number one, over the last two years, I've started having sleep issues where I can wake up at 3 a.m. for two to four hours, perimenopausal, which has started HRT. Obviously, this impacts on my day, both mentally and physically. It's manageable if it's just one to two nights, but how do I incorporate workouts if it continues for several plus consecutive nights? Sometimes I feel really fatigued. Um... I'm only on day one of Commit to Six, so I was hugely frustrated when I was awake for several hours and I felt too tired to do a workout, although stuck to my calories and steps. Maybe the revised diet and exercise will help my sleep. That's question one. We'll come back to the other two. Let's get that one answered first. I think like I was answering the, the accountability thread on day one and, I, and what I noticed was some people were so frustrated that on day one they couldn't nail every single um non-negotiable non that we set and that's totally not what this is about I know that it like gets you off on a good footing if you're like yeah my day one was amazing I smashed it but we've, we've got six weeks here that's so many days to 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 get these habits ingrained 
and yet it's really frustrating like you you're not in control of your sleep but you can only do your best on that day one and every single day as long as you're getting a little bit better trying a little bit harder then that's fine that's all we ask of you yeah, yeah I agree and I think re-being tired um shorter workouts short sharp effective workouts like remind yourself to actually minimum effective dose you're still going to get a huge amount from doing 15 minutes of a home workout if you're not feeling particularly like if you don't have the energy to do a full workout and weirdly that often gives you more energy so I completely resonate like if you've not slept very well doing a full really tough workout probably not the best idea probably it's going to make you feel really tired but actually doing a 15 minute workout probably is going to give you more energy so remember that that's like still an important thing to do um yeah uh, questions two and three are kind of in the same ballpark so i'll answer them as well um i have one bar of low calorie chocolate some days and wine at the weekends but keep within all my targets will it slow down fat loss simple answer no no there you go. Uh, random, I eat salmon most days, but are there any issues with that? No. No, but actually, I think eating a lot of salmon isn't particularly good for you. Is it like mercury? Is it mercury? Uh, that's, that's tuna, but I think just because of the way that, it depends where you're getting your salmon. But like... If it's Scottish, Scottish salmon, then I think you're fine, surely? I think farmed salmon is really bad like to eat a lot of and I can't exactly remember why but I, to be honest eating a lot of anything is probably not the best idea um and salmon is absolutely fantastic but if you're eating it every single day I mean, it, it's almost definitely fine it's just maybe you would want a bit more variety in there also quite expensive yeah very much so mm-hmm. unless you're eating yeah. salmon which is vile was that in what frozen salmon no nope. it's not great or you don't even get tinned salmon as well also not great tin salmon tin crab generally tastes like ass yeah it tastes like cat food or what i would imagine cat food would taste like genuinely if you go <laughs> to certain shops like aldi it's beside the cat food there you go said so they're, they're telling you exactly what it says in the tin um next question a bit of a weird question but something i have always wondered about when i do overeat i tend to swap between sweet then i immediately want something savory then something sweet again is there any reason for this or could it just be that eating that food is not satisfying me because i'm not actually hungry but chasing comfort in the food yeah i think so i think normally after i eat something savory even if i'm full i could eat something sweet and vice versa, like if I'm eating something sweet, like I think you can go sort of back and forward between the two. Um, there is a theory that the reason you crave something sweet after your meal, even if you're like totally satiated and not hungry anymore, is because your body's driven to more highly caloric foods. So, and I think one of the observations with this was that when you look at bears who are about to hibernate, so they want to get obviously as much calories in as possible they eat the full salmon to start with and then they start just eating the skin of the salmon which has the most fat in it like as they get fuller just to try and cram in as many calories and I guess like as humans we're drawn to higher calorie things potentially like the fuller we get in some ways um doesn't totally translate because actually I think you're much less likely to overeat on sweet things if you're not genuinely hungry but I think that that was like one theory behind why you always have that like quote unquote pudding belly where you're like, yeah, I'm full, but I could always have like a little bit of ice cream. Yeah. I think maybe like put a pause in place as well is if you're, you know, you're switching from sweet to savory straight away is maybe just wait, like wait 10 minutes, wait 15 minutes and maybe you won't want it anymore. Um, yeah. And also if you are, if you are overeating, and like maybe put something else in place if it's reasons for like comfort eating then find something else to do that kind of switches up it's a different habit um whether that's like going for a bath or chatting to someone like just something else to help you regulate your emotions yeah yeah 
Agreed. I, I definitely, I think that the pause is massively underrated. And I think that it can take a bit of time for like hunger to sort of catch up with you. I know that that's something that like I could definitely keep eating way beyond like probably, well, maybe not satiety, but like what I need because I'm not full yet because I've not actually waited long enough to be full even though like, oh, I've had a big meal. But then if I just walk home or like, I don't know, go for a little walk or like literally do anything else for five minutes, I'm like, oh yeah, like I am actually full. And then if you're not full, sure, go back and eat some more. But often it is that, like exactly what Catherine is describing, is that you've not like allowed the food to tell your brain that there's food here, you can downregulate hunger, you're satiated now, like that isn't an immediate thing. So just give yourself a little pause. Even if that's as simple as just like hiding, like doing your washing up. And then, okay, if I still want something else, sure, then you can choose to have it. I was going to say, like, you're also saying it isn't satisfying you. And there, there is that difference between feeling satisfied with what you eat and feeling satiated. I think, like, being satisfied is more about, about like, how you feel rather than physical hunger. Um, whereas satiated is, you know, that feeling of being full and having enough to eat. Yeah. And I think you can have both, right? Like, eat enough and then have like something that's going to satisfy you a little bit like a little bit of chocolate or a little bit of what you fancy afterwards and you can fit that into your calories that's totally legitimate and fine um but yeah there is that distinction between the two you don't quote unquote need the chocolate but if it makes you feel satisfied and you enjoy it and it helps you stick to your diet long term that's good when Okie dokie, from Fiona. Hi, a couple of questions. First time doing commit six. Do we count pulses and beans towards our fruit and veg target? Was preparing a veggie chili for tomorrow and it made me wonder. Ooh. No. Well, if it was like, so there's, I mean, we just have a fruit and veg target, but there's some really cool research on gut microbiome and the diversity of foods in your diet. And actually your target is 30 different plant-based foods and I think some people are like 30 because they think 30 fruit and veg which would be pretty hard to do but plant-based is things like pulses nuts um spices popcorn like there are loads of things that are plant-based that we maybe that are well that certainly aren't fruit or veg um but I wouldn't count like beans or pulses as a fruit and veg portion, although great to have in your diet. Yeah. Second part of this question is, I know we're only in week one, but after this round finishes, when does the next one start? I assume it's in the new year. No, it's not. It will start straight away because we've got committed. I mean, so yeah. anyone on this will go straight on to committed and then we'll have a new intake. Probably might not be that many people that want to start right before Christmas, but genuine like generally the people that start whether it's one-to-one -one or commit to six like previously that I've known that started in December get the best results because they're freaking serious because they're not like oh Christmas is coming up I'll wait till the new year or yeah I think I'll just wait till January to start this they're like I want to make a change and I want to start now and those are the people that get the best results because they're not putting things off they're just actioning so yes we will be doing an intake it will be I think it's the 13th of December, but it won't matter for you because you'll be going straight on to Committed, which will start the 13th as well. Awesome. Um, okay, okay. What to look for in a protein powder? Don't have the bulk whey here in the US. Just whey protein. Any whey protein is the same. The only reason I've suggested bulk is because it's pretty cheap and it's the one I use and there's loads of flavors and it's readily available in the UK anyway but it, genuinely it doesn't matter. We just bought some from GNC, which is whey protein. They're all essentially the same. Yeah, ideal. Um, okay, okay, from Karsty, I wonder what the advice is regards to sugar-free drinks, for instance, squash, Coke Zero, et cetera. So many conflicting things out there saying they're fine and then others saying that sweetener can elicit a response and cause weight gain. I tend to have one bottle of Coke Zero throughout the afternoon at my desk because I like it and it satisfies my sweet tooth. Should I be cutting down on this? I do drink two to three litres of water or sugar-free squash a day as well. No, don't. I have a lot. 
for it to have a, an adverse effect on your health, like a lot. I don't know what yeah. the effects like, are. You would have hyponatremia before you reached a dose of aspartame that you could have detrimental You'd also wreck your teeth before you got to that point. I think it equates to something like 32 litres of Diet Coke a day consistently to get to a, a, a level that has been linked to increased risk of cancer. What you're talking about in terms of, was it like a relation to it will make you crave more and then... It said elicit a response and cause weight gain. Yeah, so there's, there is a small insulin response that has been noted but that happens with any sweet taste in your mouth it doesn't have any physiological impact there's actually quite a lot of research that shows that it it reduces cravings and it sounds like you've found that as well like you're like oh i have a a bit of diet coke in the evening or coke zero whatever same thing um and that that satisfies me so it's obviously working for you there are some claims that the sweet taste makes you crave more sweet things I think that's probably quite personal. There's Andy modeling his Coke Zero. What is that, a cherry? Cherry. No. This podcast is sponsored by Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not. It's Mac B. It, no, it's sponsored oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. anything you can buy at bargains. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I certainly wouldn't worry about it. There's like a tiny bit of very misinterpreted science behind that. Um, yeah not not something to worry about the only the only reason that we ever like suggest people reduce that are if someone's like yeah so you said it was fine so I have like eight bottles a day like that's like too much of anything is no longer a good thing for numerous reasons it's it's still not going to make you put on fat but it's just it's just a lot um and it also might do you remember that there's caffeine like actually quite a lot of caffeine in things like diet coke so if you're then having one with your meal and then having one after dinner and then you're like so strange i just, just never go to sleep well could be the caffeine so bear that in mind as well yes um okay from Lindsay. realistically most weeks i can only get to the gym three times which mix of workouts would you recommend for a good balance push pull legs bosh simple um next one hey do you think a client's weight they use deters if they are working hard enough and would be loop be like I'm just, I'm just laughing at this because i read it this morning it's from ashley isn't it uh, yeah. I, I freaking love ashley she's come so far but she still overthinks massively but i think what she's asking is do you think you can tell how hard a client is working by the weights that they're lifting? And if someone's been lifting the same weight for a period of time, does that mean they're not working hard enough? And it's very hard to say that because if you were a newbie, we might expect weights to go up like week on week for a period of time. But as you get stronger and stronger, we're not gonna expect that same jump in weights. That's not to say that you're not working as hard. That's just because the stronger you are, the harder it is to get even stronger and the more time and stimulus that takes. So in essence, no, but if you're wondering, if you're questioning, could I work harder? It probably means you could work a little bit harder. <laughs> so I would just push yourself a little bit and see if you can deal with that. Now and again, if I know that I've been like on the same weights for a period of time, I'll just up my weights and see if I can do it. And sometimes you surprise yourself a little bit. Um, and sometimes you're like, oh no, actually I only managed eight out of 10 reps. Maybe I was at the right weight already. Uh, but often you kind of get into a bit of a comfort zone and you're like, oh yeah, for that pull down, I always do X weight. Maybe change it up a little bit and just see if you can push it that a little bit more. Yeah. Is exercises- oh, sorry, Andy, you go. No, when you go, Kath, when you go. I was just going to say, there'll be certain exercises that you'll find that you can increase weights week on week and then other exercises you can't like, uh, like lat raises, there'll be a point you get to where you probably can't like go any heavier, but maybe with like a back squat you can increase your weight each week or every couple of weeks so just bear in mind that there is that difference between different exercises and different muscle groups yeah i I love the way that she's worded the question she's like would you be like look you've been that weight for a while now you should be used a higher weight like can you imagine any of us (laughs) 
Oh, I imagine that's exactly what Ashley sounds like as well. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, because, like, like, we she's got like a brummy accent or something. No, she's from she's from through this direction, through Edinburgh direction, East Lothian. Edinburgh, right? Okay. East Lothian, I think. I think Ormiston, maybe, which is out in the sticks. So <laughs> don't, mess the sticks. don't mess with her. Don't mess with her. Um. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been lateral raising the same weight for about six years. It's very hard to increase certain weights, but then like on other things, I've definitely increased. So. Yeah, it's it's the same thing across the board. Though even folk that are at the at the highest level, so you collect like world's strongest man. These guys aren't jumping up ten kilos weight every week. These guys are doing it like grams, like hundred grams, two hundred grams to get a five hundred kilo deadlift off the ground. They're not so, having grams. <laughs> no, a lot of them do. Have you not seen the pointless little plates that these people have? Yeah, but have? they're always at least one kilogram. No, no, they're not. You get them so in like we've, we've got 0.25 kilo um, yeah. plates in our gym. Oh yeah, we can go up in like two, 250 grams. Yeah. It's mental. Like, that is mental. I've got no, oh, well. no time. Find something final, final question from Fiona. Um, and, um, right, two questions. I'm just going to double them up because they are the same question. Um, number well, the first part of it is, is there a certain time of day that you should eat or does it not matter? And also, is there an optimal time to train? So is there an optimal time for nutrition? Is there an optimal time for training? Um, for the grand scheme, no. It, what's going to be way more important is when it fits in with your day. You could, I mean, if you're going really down like the circadian rhythm route, there might be optimal times for people to train and people to eat, depending on like their phenotype in terms of being a morning person or an evening person. But I wouldn't worry about like what's way, way, way more influential than that is when you have time to train, when does it actually fit into your day and when will you consistently do it and enjoy it? If you're like, oh, technically, for some reason, it's better training in the morning, but I freaking hate the mornings and I resent going. And I actually, most times I won't even go because I can't be bothered. Then that's not the best time for you to train. So what's way, way, way more important than any like slight, and I mean like marginal benefit you would get from anything to do with exercise timing or meal timing is you actually doing the things and actually enjoying them. So focus on when it fits best in your day with meal timing. Again, there are so many ways to do it. We would suggest just not going to extremes. Like, yeah, sure, you could, in theory, just eat one meal a day. Some people do. It's certainly not beneficial. It's certainly not enjoyable for most people. You probably can't have much of a social life. It's definitely going to impact, at least when you're getting into it, like your mood, your energy levels, muscle protein synthesis, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there are so many ways to do things, but what's practical for you is usually like somewhere in the middle. And if all you're looking, I mean, all you're looking to do is optimize body composition, then there's no need to go to these like ridiculous extremes. Um, yeah, you want to make it essentially as easy as possible, not not try and make it hard. So get so the whole idea is it fits around your life. I think that's a really important one. Actually, is that that's exactly how it works. It needs to fit into what you're doing you're maybe going to have to sort of adjust a few things to help it fit, but in general, it shouldn't be anywhere in there that's going to start, uh, upset your your rhythm and your movement moving forward. Um, the one thing I would say is, is that if people do eat late, this is where things like weighing in first thing in the morning is going to be affected. So if you do, have, if, you do if you're generally a, a first thing in the morning, weigh in, if you've been eating late that the night before you may still have food volume in your stomach so that's something to think about but again over the grand scheme of things that fluctuation is not going to be a huge yeah as long as you're consistent if you always eat at night and you always weigh in the morning which by the way always weigh first thing in the morning never weigh at any other time like it's completely irrelevant once you've started your day and eating and stuff and and you'll probably freak yourself out if you weigh yourself in the evening one day because you missed the morning because you're way heavier because you've got a whole day of eating inside you um so yeah, be consistent with weighing. But yeah, as Andy's saying, sometimes meal timings can impact. But if you're consistent with your meal timings, which I would suggest, 
is to get into a routine and get consistent, um, then it won't matter long term anyway. Yeah, we've got two questions on the Facebook. So number one from Anna. Hi team, I've got long COVID symptoms, been given an inhaler. Obviously no workouts, but what do you think about steps? I'm comfortable with nutrition focus. Any advice? Welcome. Thank you. Or maybe you could just go quite easy with your steps or even splitting them up across the day. So instead of going out for one really long walk, just maybe go out for a couple of shorter walks or two, two or three shorter walks and just go slowly, take it easy, see how you feel. Yeah. I think that. I think definitely start keeping a log of your energy levels. So like a, a bit of a diary of how I felt this day, what my energy levels were this day. If you're feeling out of breath walking, then maybe that's something we need to reduce a little bit. But, I, you know, if you can go for walks, I think it will help rather than hinder. You're right not to smash the workouts at the moment. And well done for being sensible. Because I know that, especially starting a new programme, you're like, oh, I want to do everything. And that is not the best thing for you at the moment. So we will support you from where you are. But that would be the first thing I would start doing is like keeping a, a good note, like every night, think about your day, what, where your energy levels fluctuated out of 10, how much energy do you have today and see if you can see some patterns. And then when we do start increasing exercise, we'll be able to keep like, monitor that as well to see how it's impacting. And we will start you slow and it will be like short, sharp workouts as opposed to full hour long things. Um, but yeah, anyone else in that position, same things apply, like certainly don't rush back into anything yeah um last one from rachel a nutrition question please am i okay to eat slimming frozen ready meals some very good for protein but conscious not fresh food yeah i would say, I would say yeah yeah it's probably like not ideal but if it's really convenient for you and it means that you you can stick to your targets then yeah go for it yeah you can also chuck in some veg alongside it, to be fair. Yeah, Microwave the meal, then kind of salad or chopped vegetables beside it, and it'll help it out. Yeah, I totally agree. I think actually sometimes ready meals, especially like the ones that like high protein ready meal, and actually the macros are pretty good. Some of it is relatively fresh, maybe not so much the frozen ones. Although, saying that, a lot of food that's freshly frozen actually has way more micronutrients in it than like food that is available raw or not frozen or like quote unquote fresh but isn't in season so a lot of these foods will have been frozen in season and then you're, you're actually potentially getting more from them than you would from the fresh food and probably less waste but as Andy's saying like I think bulking those kind of meals out is really really good Especially if you're on the go and you're like, oh, okay, like I'll get this high protein ready meal. But there's never, like for me anyway, there's never enough food volume. I'm like, I want that, but I also want like something yeah. to actually sit down and eat. So you can get like a side of like fresh salad or something or bulk it out with some kind of salad, uh, veg. I'm a big yeah. fan of frozen veg. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, even like the, the, the ready meal stuff, so generally ready meals, etc. are really picked, a lot of companies have picked their game up with that stuff. Remember it used to be that everybody was like, oh, I'm using this meal prep company because they've got exactly the right, the exact right match. Yeah. We're actually, you can go to like Cricky Me, Asda, Asda have got like a, is it Gym, Gym Kitchen, I think it's called. They've got like a, an actual brand called Gym Kitchen that's like um, microwave meals and chucking Take one of them in, chuck in a bag of some a bag of chopped veg. Happy days, you're laughing. Yeah, M and S for you range three for ten pounds. Mm -hmm. M &S. and some of them are actually pretty tasty. And a lot of like the prepped food that I've tried, like completely sent me, it's like dry chicken breast and broccoli, and I'm like I could just make this myself, and it would taste like shit as well. <laughs> but actually, ready made. It's like cardboard. Yeah, it's not great. It's not a great time. And very expensive as well. Yeah. Okay, well, that was an excellent live. Um, Nikki's just saying, not living in the moment, that resonates so well after my fear of failure in the future post this morning. I needed to hear that advice. You're so welcome. And I think that's really common. Like Nikki did a post this morning about, she's like, I feel really good at the moment, but I'm just worried about when I don't feel good. Like, 
And sometimes that's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, like worrying about, oh my God, I'm, I'm loving life at the moment. You can't truly love life at the moment if you're like, but I'm worried about when I won't love life in the future, potentially at some point that you don't even know is going to occur. Um, yeah. And Leanne's just saying, have a gorgeous baby. I do. Hmm. And he's a very quiet baby. He's just been sat here like awake. Oh, <laughs> he's so good. He's that giant head. It's all good. Right, back down he goes. Okay, um, I hope everyone's enjoyed that. If you're listening on the podcast and you enjoyed it, please rate, review, share, tag us all on Instagram and we will see you next week.